0: Welcome to this state championship review edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. I'm Bruce Monin, your host, broadcasting from our studio in the heart of Minster, Ohio, and checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, home of the number 28-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats, is our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin.
1: Happy to be here, as always.
0: So, Rebecca, I don't know if you've done your research here or not, or As uh, one listener informed me, I need to call them my always beloved Cincinnati Bearcats. Apparently, I said my formerly beloved or sometimes beloved last week. (laughs) I don't remember.
1: (laughs) No, the love doesn't fade, even if the um, expectations drop a little bit sometimes.
0: And a little off topic here. Apparently, my... Not yet two-month-old grandson took his first visit to the University of Cincinnati today. <laughs> like starting him young. Apparently, he slept through the whole thing, much as I did, through many classes.
1: That's a good choice he made there. I don't know about you. That seems like a worse one. But for the two-month-old, good for him.
0: By the way, we, are, we were a little down this week. Our football coach at Cincinnati abandoned us to move on to Wisconsin, who stole him away. So Such as is the any- way
1: of UC football.
0: So as anyone would do, UC got out and stole Louisville's coach. <laughs> <laughs> of course we did. Which is quite interesting because we're playing Louisville in a bowl game here in two weeks.
1: Oh no. Is he leaving before the bowl game?
0: Oh yes. They don't want him there. He might be talking to his players into moving with him over to the other side.
1: <laughs> oh, That's going to be awkward.
0: And if you want to hear it even better and awkward, mm-hmm. this is the, wasabi fenway bowl played in fenway park baseball stadium in boston so it'll be nice and cold but since it's in a baseball stadium the room isn't quite right there they're putting both teams on the same sideline for the game i hope there's a barbed wire fence or something at the 50 oh, to boy. keep it apart
1: <laughs> oh boy
0: it sounds like All a bad right. idea to me but
1: yeah <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. When one of them's in the red zone, does the other team need to be like 30 yards away?
0: I guess they yell from really far away. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this is, as we said, our state championship game review. And mm-hmm. Rebecca and I are doubtful as to our own expertise.
1: Well, you so, watched the game, so I'm sure you've got something to go off of. I'm I just... watch
0: most of the games.
1: Happy, uh happy to hear the results so that's not great podcasting on its own
0: well it's better than we usually do rebecca
1: <laughs> oh, you're not wrong
0: but we have brought in a guest this week we have Allen East football coach Joel Billings with us welcome Hi. coach hey thank you for having me allen east had what i would consider one of its better seasons in school history i don't know how you exactly would rate such a thing but it has to rank up there as one of the better ones. Looking over your schedule, there was a week three loss to a team that ended up in the regional finals in division five. But after that, a nice 10 game winning streak until you ran into Marion local in the regional finals. And you know, lots of people have had trouble running into Marion local in the playoffs. Let's say. Yeah, Yeah,
2: that's for sure.
0: So coach, it's our tradition when we have a guest that we ask them about their high school playing days and a brief summary of their coaching career. Could you uh, fill us in on that for yourself?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I went to high school and and played at Waynesfield and um, graduated in 2006. I went on and I played in college, played at Defiance College, was a defensive lineman there. Um, I started coaching at Bell Fountain. I was there for three years you know, as an assistant. Two of them are under Chris Schmidt, uh, who's at New oh. Bremen. That might be familiar for some of your listeners. been here at, at Allen East. I uh, was an assistant for five years and um, took over as the head coach in, in 2020.
0: Played at Waynesfield. That's another school that had a very nice year. You were probably too busy to pay much attention, though, weren't you?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, it, that's well. It's interesting because their head coach is an Alan East grad, but yeah, he's done a tremendous job. You know, I think uh, we throw against them uh, in the summer, and you know, they they've really got good numbers for for the uh, school that size, and definitely had some speed from what I saw. You know, he's done a done a tremendous job. They've really kind of regrew things over the last you know three four years.
0: Well, coaches, I'm looking over your schedule here, and I did see a couple of your games on WOSN this year. I was usually doing other stuff at the same time I wasn't exactly studying the game but had him on listening to the announcers I mentioned that week three loss to uh, Elmwood who ended up 12 and 2 Then he had a couple of really nice wins the two weeks after that against Crestview and against Columbus Grove I'm just kind of wondering did you know you had the potential for a really good year right out of the bat or those early games there kind of give you a better clue
2: yeah I felt like we did um you know last year we wound up um, 10 and four and and lost in, in the regional final again and, and we had some key players back uh, from that team our, our quarterback was back uh, running back was back uh, knew we needed to develop you know offensive and defensive line and some receivers but you know I was pretty confident that we could have a good year you know if we were able to do that. so some of those games are you know iffy but we we kind of found a way to get over the top and make a good run.
0: Yeah, that Columbus Grove game, especially. I noticed the seven to nothing win. That's it, it, would, there weren't many games you gave up no points. That was a good time to do it, wasn't it?
2: <laughs> well, uh, you know, I would say is about as exciting as a seven to nothing football game gets. Uh, it was back and forth, a lot of defensive stands, and um, you know, that's a big game for us. Uh, trying to think, uh, we haven't beat them since 2019, so that was definitely kind of the the signature win really of the year. And um, obviously, it's a good program. You know, they went far in the playoffs as well. So uh, definitely a big game for for our program.
0: And uh, we were keeping an eye on you through the playoffs. From a pa- fan's perspective, maybe it wasn't that interesting. You you were probably just happy, plenty happy with that. But you had that running clock going three straight playoff wins there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I feel like offensively towards the end of the season, I really after Lipsit game, we kind of you know hit a little rhythm, a little bit more balance between run and pass, and made us harder to defend, and pretty explosive in in those games offensively. You know, especially in those you know those first few playoff games, and third one was Tri Village. That was a, an interesting one because you know most of those games were in snow, but uh, we were at Bell Fountain and there was quite a bit of snow. <laughs> Field was covered pretty completely, so that was definitely. Uh, an interesting one, for sure.
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised by that one. Tri-Village is for a fairly recent starting football program. I don't know how many years they've been around now, but it's not that many. They've come along really well the last couple of years. I was expecting a really tight game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think they've only had, I want to say it's 2016 they started football, so it's, it's pretty new for them. You know, they, had a, they had a good team. Um, you know i feel we had some pretty big special teams plays in that game we had uh two returns for touchdowns and uh, we were still able to throw the ball uh, relatively effectively in that game with with the conditions and you know we didn't turn the ball over you know we were able to you know kind of maintain possession and you know not give up a turnover with the conditions. so i feel like that
0: was kind of the the key to that game besides Wanting to offer our congratulations on an excellent season. We really want to tap your expertise here. So as we talk about these state championship games, hopefully you can provide us with a little more, a different perspective maybe than we would have.
2: Well, I'll, uh, I'll do my best. You know, some of the teams I'm, I'm relatively familiar with, you know, but obviously when you get into the you know state final, you're talking the other side of the state,
0: but uh, I'll do my best. So Rebecca, mm-hmm. only two of these seven games finished within one score. But I am hereby proclaiming all seven games to be
1: Scores of the Week.
0: What do you think?
1: Uh, I really shouldn't have expected anything else. <laughs> but I, I think by nature of them being state finals, they qualify for Scores of the Week, yes.
0: Okay, let's hit these in order of, we're not going to do division, the biggest division first. We're going to go in the order they were played. How about that? Okay. So we will start with Thursday night's game, the Division II championship game. I would say it's it's one of two, but it might be the most interesting game that I saw this weekend. Toledo Central Catholic, 28. Akron Hoban, 21.
1: Oh, uh-huh. okay.
0: Now, if we go back to our prediction show, Rebecca, the computers and you and I, we all were on the Hoban bandwagon.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: Paul Wingelwich, our guest, said he wasn't sure why, but he was feeling Toledo Central Catholic. Good move by our guests there, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That's why we like having him on.
0: Absolutely. Before we wait, get coached away in here, I'll give you my personal little recap of the game. Hoban had a running back who was named Mr. Football for Ohio. His name is Lamar Sperling. And from what I saw, he deserved every bit of it. He had 197 yards rushing by halftime. The Hoban team had 190 total yards. That means the rest of the team had minus seven total yards at the half. Huh? A few quarterback sacks, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's not great for him. It's great. It's very good for him. That's not a great stat I would want as the rest of the team.
0: No, I agree. (laughs) So, Toledo Central Catholic was up 28 to 7 at the half. And partly because at one time they had a strip sack of the quarterback for a turnover that led to a score. And later on they had a pick six interception that they returned for a touchdown.
1: Yeah, that'll do it.
0: Second half started. Hoban just pounded the ball, give it, just kept giving it to Mr. Sperling. By the end of the quarter, it was 28 21. Late in the fourth quarter, Hoban had the ball again fourth down and three, came up just a couple of inches short. So Toledo Central Catholic got the turnover on downs there. A couple inches further and might have been a different result. Afterwards, Toledo Central Catholic had a punt. Hoban returned at about 50, 60 yards. And then the penalty flags flew. Mm
1: -hmm. And they
0: were offsetting penalties and they had to do the play over. It didn't work out so well for them on the do-over, by the way. End of the game, Mr. Sperling had 356 yards <laughs> rushing the second most in a championship game in the history of the state you'll be glad to know the team ended up with 362 yards so the rest of the team ended up with positive six yards for the game
1: that's an improvement over negative seven but
0: by the way toledo central catholic only had 243 yards themselves so they were outgained by 120 yards Coach and I talked about this a little bit before we went on the air, but I'll let Coach give his opinion here of this game, if any.
2: Yeah, um, you know, Toledo Central Catholic made some plays early in the game. You know, the the defensive touchdown was big. Uh, you know, to me, I, I just was blown away that uh, you have a 350 yard rusher. Uh, he's averaging nine yards a carry, and and you still lose. Um, you know, to me, that that just is I don't know <laughs> that that doesn't happen very often in a game, for sure.
0: Personally, as I was watching it, I felt like every time Hoban went back to pass, they were probably giving a prayer of thanks over on the Toledo Central Catholic sideline. It was a,
2: yeah, definitely, uh, yeah, pretty, a little one-dimensional. That's that's for sure. But uh, the Spurling kid, I, I've seen him, you know, throughout the year, he just uh, in short clips, quite a bit, and he is uh, he's unreal. He's he's a real deal. So uh, there's a reason why they're giving him the ball that much. But yeah, it's tough when you're that one-dimensional.
0: I'd never seen him before, but made me wonder if you'd put another running back, if they do almost as well, because that line was good too, but he was something else. He was, he was, I haven't seen that good of a running back in a long time. It's the next
1: game on the schedule.
0: Moving on to the Friday morning game, then division five, we had Canfield South range, 53, Ironton 27. Lots of points put up in this game. Yeah. Also, one of the higher attendance games of the weekend. And we'll see in our next game following was Canfield, a school six miles away. I think many of those fans stayed for two games, is why that would be that,
1: my guess. Yeah.
0: And they're not that far from Canton. So that was the, uh, those two games were the two big attendance games this weekend. Back to this one the uh, Harbin Computer Points liked Ironton a little bit. Our guest, Mr. Wingelwich. The former football official? No, I shouldn't say that. I believe he's current football official. I think he's still active, yes. Former high school, current college, right? He also liked Ironton. The rest of us took South Range. Good thing for us there. By the way, a stat that came up in that game, South Range is 42-3 and in their last 45 games. All three losses came to Kirtland. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right.
0: And being championship weekend, that means we'll be mentioning Kirtland later in the podcast. Mm-hmm. I also found interesting, Ironton had a female kicker doing their extra points and field goals. She was a soccer player, apparently moved to Iron Ironton. No girls soccer team at Ironton, apparently. So football coach recruited her. Kind of like that was my goal back when you were kids. I was always hoping I'd turn one of you two into a kicker, but. And I didn't work you, at it real hard. You
1: never really tried or communicated that to us. Just like how you wanted us to be cross-country runners and then never took us running.
0: Oh, I don't like running. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's part of it.
0: <laughs> oh, but back to the game. <laughs> Ironton actually on the first play of the game scored on a 66-yard pass. Then it was South Range's turn. They had big plays all game long. Their first touchdown was set up by a 66-yard pass. <laughs> their second touchdown came on a 40-yard flea flicker play. Their third touchdown came after Ironton fumbled, and then they had a 30-yard pass. And their fourth touchdown came after they blocked a punt and set them up in good field position. So South Range was just piling up the big plays. Ironton tried to close the gap right before half. They hit a 26-yard touchdown pass on a fourth down play for the score. But South Range scored one more time. This time, they just ran the ball to the right side of the field five straight times. And the last one was for 31 yards and made it 32-14 at the half.
1: Dang. They just they pulled out all the stops for the final, huh?
0: Absolutely. Overall, the two teams had over 400 yards passing and 554 yards just at the half. Difference between the two, South Range could run the ball. Ironson could not against that South Range defense. And then early in the third quarter, South Range pretty much put it away, hit a 64-yard touchdown pass early on. And it just ballooned from there. So, I don't know if you had a chance to follow this one, Coach.
2: Yeah, I um, well, I watched Ironton. Um, actually watched them the week before. You know, I, I thought they were a really good football team. They have a couple kids. One one's committed to Wisconsin, I think, uh, as a linebacker, and the other as a receiver to Cincinnati. But uh, if you look at South Range, you know, they they kind of caught my attention the week prior. They really hammered Liberty Center thirty five to nothing. And you know, Liberty Center is a really really good football team. They had a solid team this year.
0: Absolutely.
2: Uh, but so they they definitely. Uh, they were dynamic offensively, and um, you know, kind of kept Firington at bay for sure.
0: Yeah, we're hopeful that receiver still going to Cincinnati. I guess. <laughs> yeah. He, I was going to say, Rebecca, he looked like a Cincinnati receiver. He yeah. made some great catches, dropped one easy one, and had two really silly fifteen-yard personal foul penalties. So he looked sounds like sounds perfect receiver. for us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He might be joining his friend at Wisconsin now.
0: I would not be surprised. <laughs> so I guess my summary of that game would be South range pretty much owned the line of scrimmage. And you know, it's kind of nice when I'm doing the stats of the game, I have to watch the ball all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I'm just watching these games, I like to watch things like just see what happens on the line of scrimmage without watching the ball. And you get kind of a better idea of why some things work and some don't. I just like to sometimes, if I think they're going to pass, just watch the defensive backs at the start of the play. and It explains a whole lot of things that you might not catch if you're just watching the ball at the time. And I don't get to do that during the regular season much. So, But line of scrimmage definitely belonged to South Range in this game. On Friday afternoon, as I mentioned, we had the Division Three game featuring Canfield, just six miles down the road from South Range. They were playing Bloom Carroll. Canfield 135 to 14. Ugh. I did not watch this game. You can boo me now, Rebecca, but
1: boo. <laughs> How could you? This is your job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was actually out visiting some shut-ins that time. So I was actually being kind of good, but the only reason I was is because my wife promised to take me out to a Mexican restaurant afterwards. So
1: he had to be bribed.
0: So don't give me too much credit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wasn't planning on it.
0: However, we're going off topic here.
1: Of course, as we do.
0: One of those shut-ins was a 40-year football official who trained last week's guest, Paul Winglewitch, it turned out.
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: So we have lots of good stories to tell at that thing. But back to the game. Doesn't mean I didn't follow it on Twitter or on various message boards here, so... Once again, the computers liked Canfield. I liked Canfield. So did Paul Wengowitz. Rebecca decided someone needed to pick the other team. It yeah. was not a good time to decide that, Rebecca.
1: No. But that's okay.
0: And what I gather from the game, Canfield led 14 to nothing early. Bloom Carroll scored a five seconds remaining in the half to get the score down to 14 to seven. But the second half, Bloom Carroll started turning the ball over. With more than a little help from Canfield, by the way. It it wasn't self-inflicted. And then Canfield pulled away. How about you, Coach? What did you get from this game?
2: This is one I didn't follow this one very closely, so I don't know a whole lot about it either. So I wasn't out with uh, shut-ins, but uh, I (laughs) wonder what I was doing at that point Friday afternoon. But
0: uh, You you have to admit, for people in West Central Ohio, there's nothing about Canfield and Bloom-Carroll that really – (laughs) Gets <laughs> us excited to watch a game. There is there. Yeah. By the way, just a, just another quick summary. Bloom Carroll just could not stop Canfield's quarterback Brock Lowry. From what I saw, he ran for three touchdowns. He threw one touchdown, and he was the receiver on a one touchdown. I imagine he was the uh, unofficial star of the game for that mm-hmm. one. So he was involved in all five Canfield touchdowns in that game. Then Friday night, what is? Supposedly supposed to be the top game in the thing, Division I. Being small school people, we don't always agree with that assessment, but that's the way it's supposed to be looked at around the state, I guess. We had Lakewood St. Edward beat Springfield 28 14 in a rematch of the game last year where they won by about the same way, to be honest. Once again, pretty much everyone picked St. Edwards except Rebecca, who thought it would be best if she would keep things interesting and pick the other team.
1: Both teams need fans, and they need representation on our podcast
0: we in appreciate, some form. Yeah, we appreciate your sacrifice, Rebecca. <laughs> Springfield, I was very surprised for a Division One team. They started one freshman and three sophomores on their offensive line, and it kind of showed St. Edwards ended up sacking the Springfield quarterback nine times in the game, and when he wasn't sacked, he was running. He did not have time. To throw very much in this game. St. Edward had a 21 7 lead at the half. Springfield closed it to 21 14 near the end of the third quarter. St. Edward hadn't done much on offense in the second half before that, but as soon as the game got within seven, they drove right down the field and punched it right in to get that final 28 14 score. It's kind of like they thought now we better get serious again. <laughs> and there was no doubt when they did. What do you think there, coach?
2: Well, um, you know, this game you've kind of already said it. uh, Springfield's quarterback is is really unreal. I think he, I'm pretty sure he passed Joe Burrow's record for for total yardage. But he was all over the place during this game, and you know, I think he you know played a played a tremendous game. But you know, I think if he gets his feet set and uh, has time, it's probably a different outcome. But you know, St. Ed's did a great job of creating pressure and you know forcing him to throw on the run and not to get his feet set for sure.
0: Going to what you just said there, I saw a, yeah, it was probably on Twitter. Who knows? <laughs> the Springfield quarterback, Shondelmeyer, kept a whiteboard in his room. And he had on it Joe Burrow's record yardage <laughs> and what his total was every week. And every week he would cross out his total and put the new one <laughs> down. And he's, I believe it was just in the championship game that he passed him.
2: Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I, I knew he, I thought he had it, but I didn't know it was during that game. Wow.
0: I thought. For only a two-score game, I thought Saint Edwards really dominated the game. It was kind of surprising to see it was only two scores at the end.
2: Especially, you, know, you look at nine sacks. That's uh, that's a that's quite a stat line um, yeah. for it to be that close. You know, you think like you're going to create some negative yardage and and uh, you know put some down and distance situations that aren't easy. And um, you know, Springfield was able to you know, maintain some drives and have some big plays.
0: And just going from memory, I seem to recall there was. More than a few times, Springfield's quarterback scrambled away from the rush and ended up getting to the line of scrimmage or gaining one yard. It it could very easily have been a lot more than nine sacks. Yeah, I don't think I've even seen many small schools like Minster ever start one freshman and three sophomores on their offensive line. That's a,
2: yeah, especially at that level, that is uh, that's wild.
0: So, Coach, what do you have on your offensive line this year? Uh,
2: we had two sophomores and three seniors.
0: Okay. So, but uh,
2: yeah, definitely uh, a pretty good group for sure.
0: So you've got your, uh, the core graduating, but the uh, basis for the next line played all year ready to train the next ones, huh?
2: Yeah, it's always, uh, yeah, you don't want to, it's tough when you graduate all five, that's for sure. But uh, so that's nice to have a couple kids back, but yeah, that's uh, the people don't always see that, but that's definitely, you know, huge impact on the game.
0: All righty, now we'll get to, saturday's games suddenly western ohio's interested on saturday here
1: <laughs> Shocking.
0: <laughs> we'll start with the morning game and this was i would think probably the most anticipated game of the weekend in division six the final score was marion local 14 kirtland six now we all had marion local picked in this one so we, we sure got did the final result right but i think we all said Yeah, we think Marion Local will win, but it's Kirtland, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought both teams started very conservatively. I don't know if you would agree with this assessment, Coach. It almost looked to me like both teams were afraid to make an early mistake and hoping the other team would.
2: Yeah, kind of feeling each other out a little bit, for sure. Yeah, I I think, you know, obviously you got two tremendous teams. You know, you're talking uh, Kirtland. I think they have six state titles. And Marion Local is what they're 13 now, definitely quite a uh, blue bloods for sure at this point.
0: Now, this was a very windy game, which didn't help the passing game. Neither team passes much anyway, but this was a lot of wind. And I found it interesting when Marion Local had the wind at their back in the first quarter. I don't know if they threw a pass, hmm. maybe one. Yeah, come second quarter, Marion Local started throwing the ball and then they started moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marion local actually reached the two yard line on one drive, but didn't, or were unable to punch it across, turned it over on downs. Kirtland didn't get it too far, had to punt it back. Eventually Marion local worked their way down the field with some passes and led seven and nothing at the half. I would have actually said Kirtland looked like the better team much of the first quarter. Okay. It just kept slowly rolling Marion locals way. They kept looking better and better as the game went on. Definitely for sure. Now, in the second half, Kirtland went to their passing game a little bit, and Marion Local responded with a 57-yard interception return for a touchdown. Yeah, that'll do it. Made the game 14 Nothing seemed like the game was pretty much over at that point. Kirtland responded by going right down the field. Marion Local fought them the whole way. Kirtland finally scored on a fourth down pass. But then Marion Local blocked the extra point to make the score 14-6. to and it turned out it didn't matter too much, but if Kirtland would have scored late, that blocked extra point would have been huge. And here's some numbers you probably would not expect, Rebecca. Total yardage for the game Kirtland, 161 yards, Marion Local, 142.
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound like a 14 to 6 game.
0: I'd say almost every other game, the teams had that much yardage at halftime. <laughs> It was definitely two very good defenses fighting it out in this game. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm.
0: But here's where I think the stat that determined the game was, and it was passing. Kirtland threw the ball 19 times, completed five, and had two interceptions for 52 yards. Marion Local threw it 13 times, completed 10 of them, also had two interceptions and 76 yards. But a lot of those completions were nice little, Eight yard gains for a first down, kept keeping drives alive. It was very effective use of a seventy six yard passing game. I'd have to say.
2: Yeah, this uh, this one was definitely a, a defensive game. You know, Kirtland's defense. I, I was really impressed with. They they had one linebacker who really stood out to me. I can't remember his name offhand, but you know that that uh, you know, having a little bit of balance in those conditions and being able to just complete some short ones. I, I feel like it kind of kept. Uh, Kirtland off balance a little bit. And you know, really the the pick six there, that was really the the key play in that game. You know, kind of turned the tide and you know, created some separation.
0: I'm trying to remember, Coach, I think that is the game that had Kirtland had a look like a reception on the side that they went to the instant replay and the receiver's yeah. toe was in bounds, but his uh heel came down out of bounds. It was that close to being a big a big catch in the game.
2: Yeah, I believe, yeah.
0: We were able to see instant replay in use at the state championships. I think this is the second year now. Yes. Yeah. And all I saw is a lot of Kirtland fans arguing about the instant <laughs> replay didn't do a good, <laughs> job for him on that. The toe was uh, down, sure. it should be good, right? <laughs> <laughs> the rule's pretty clear. If it's the same foot, even if the toe gets down, if that heel comes down out of bounds, you're out of bounds. So I'm very uh, how shall I say? tense game maybe one of the most the more tense games probably because of the low score and how every play seemed to matter in this game Mm -hmm. and that makes kirtland now three and five in state championship games against mac teams so first of all they're in they've been in at least eight (laughs) state championship games i think it's 11 actually but one of the announcers said one week a year kirtland joins the mac (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that summed it up pretty uh, well.
2: Is that two and two with Marion Local now? Are they two and two? Is that right?
0: That's correct. They had the lead on Marion Local. Marion tied them up. Yeah. Maybe a rerun next year, or maybe as coaches hoping, Marion Local gets that competitive balance number down one or two, and they get shifted just down below that line in Division Seven next year. (laughs) Sounds good to me. (laughs) Our minster teams in Division Seven. I really hope not. Speaking of Division 7, that was the Saturday afternoon game. And we had New Bremen in this one in a rematch of their championship game two years ago against Warren John F. Kennedy. New Bremen won it for running clock two years ago, and they won it for running clock again this year, 38-6. to And we were all on the New Bremen bandwagon, big time going into this game. For sure. Yep. Now, New Bremen got a quick start. They scored on their opening drive. What I found interesting, uh, Warren JFK only gave up 17 yards rushing to Newark Catholic last week. New Bremen had 116 yards rushing just on their first two drives of the game and had 218 yards rushing the ball by halftime. And I think what was maybe as much impressive as that, you know how I like my field goals, Rebecca.
1: Better than nothing, but not as much as the touchdown. (laughs)
0: but i do like a field goal you just see so few in high school football sometimes at the end of the half new bremen was ahead 21 to nothing they're driving into that heavy wind they attempted a 35 yard field goal straight into it and hunter schaefer who's better known as their star running back put it right through the uprights for the score it was beautiful
1: does he normally kick for new bremen
0: he must i didn't remember offhand But I saw he was listed as, like, second team all Ohio as a kicker in Division 6 and 7. I got a feeling it came – if those people voted after this state championship game, that's where it came from. Because I don't think New Bremen tried that many field goals during the year. JFK came out in the second half on their opening drive and scored. But New Bremen answered right back. They had a time-consuming drive of their own, went right down the field four or five yards at a time, bam, boom, 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 used up that clock. After they got the score, JFK fumbled the kickoff, and that was pretty much the end of the game. JFK pretty much, I think, pretty much saw the writing on the wall and kind of gave in at that point.
2: Yeah, uh, New Bremen, they they have quite the rushing attack. It's it's difficult when you have – multiple guys back there that can carry it, and and I think the quarterback is, is really, uh, you know, that's tough to defend when when you have a running quarterback, and you know, I think what you you got him at two forty three in this game. I, I think he was right around two hundred yards in the game before versus LCC, and you know that that's tremendous. And you know, when you take over a game like that, and you know, maintain possession and and just drive the field, and it was definitely a, a ground based game for sure.
0: When I saw New Bremen live this year playing Minster, I'm pretty sure 75 to 80% of their plays were a total of two plays. (laughs) One was Hunter Schaefer running one way. One was quarterback David Holman running the other way. And since (laughs) they never stopped them, they just kept running them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. well, if you do them really well. (laughs) Good teams usually have a few things that they're really good at and uh, run them on repeat.
0: Yep. More than a few wise coaches have told me. If they don't stop it, keep doing it. Right?
2: <laughs> then try one more time just to make sure.
0: Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Summary of that, kind of deja vu from 2020 for New Bremen. The season looked fairly similar. The win over LCC was the same, and their win over Warren JFK in the final was pretty similar. So kind of a rerun there for New Bremen. I don't think they minded New Bremen, though. <laughs>
1: no, I don't think they would. <laughs>
0: It was late Saturday night. We were sitting in the house going, what is that noise? And it was fireworks going off over New Bremen Stadium as the team had arrived back in town. So it was quite the fireworks show. And while those fireworks were going on, that was probably during our late game Saturday night, a Division Four game between Cleveland-Glenville and Cincinnati-Wyoming. I failed my morale check on this one, Rebecca.
1: <laughs> what do you mean by that?
0: I could click that button and pay $10 for a watch another game. Oh, this is the one. Okay. I could believe what I was reading that said Glenville would win easily and just save my money. And the cheap German in me said, "Yeah, let's watch that Michigan-Iowa Big Ten championship game instead (laughs) and just follow this on the computer. Okay. Then I got bored of that one and turned over to the ACC game instead. Uh, whoever was playing there, Clemson and someone. And then this I really was a,
1: th- a thrilling <laughs> was. night for you, huh? <laughs> it
0: was. <laughs> the better college game was Friday night, the Utah-USC game, by the way, which I just enjoyed for what it was. Many of our listeners enjoyed because the Utah upset allowed Ohio State to get into the playoffs. Mm. Yeah, that was
2: quite a game. Um Yeah, a couple of really good quarterbacks in that game for sure. Uh, Utah's quarterback was was definitely uh, gritty and some tough yards
0: and big hits. So as a defiance, I believe you said defiance college graduate there, what's that make you as far as college football? Does that make you an Ohio State fan? I'm an Ohio State fan, yeah. I know enough of your in-laws to figure you probably better be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's any other options. (laughs) (laughs) So back to this game I wasn't watching. Cleve- Cleveland, Cleveland, oh, what a Noble. way
1: to phrase it,
0: <laughs> you know, years ago when mm-hmm. I was younger, but not really a young lad, when I used to abandon you on the weekend and go watch all six state championship games live and in person, Sure. I often had the same problem with the final game on Saturday night. I'd watched five other games sitting out in the cold. The division one game was always the last game. Then would come up and go, you know, Maybe I'll just drive home now before it gets too late. And I don't I don't need to watch that division one game. And I rarely stayed for the last game.
1: Do you know Jason how the schedule is self- determined?
0: Officially, I don't know. Unofficially, I know it's done in conjunction with Spectrum to get the best television ratings. Ah. Uh. A few years ago, they moved the Division One game away from Saturday night because that's when the Big Ten championship game always is. And they finished right. competing with Ohio State. <laughs> okay. So now uh, Division Four got to be the sacrificial lamb for the Saturday night game this year. By the way, looking at this, we all picked Glenville quite emphatically last week. Mm-hmm. Wyoming, I think they had their chances, but they came out, they fumbled the ball on their opening drive. It took Glenville one play to score on a 39-yard touchdown pass. <laughs> Wyoming came back with an 82 yard touchdown run by Mr. Ohio candidate CJ Hester. So it was six to six after the first quarter. By the way, both of these teams could have used Hunter Schaefer kicking their extra points. There was not <laughs> good kicking in this game. Oh, no. In the second quarter, Glenville scored twice. They failed on, I believe, a two point conversion the first time and maybe a kick the second. I don't remember, but took an 18 to six lead. Wyoming drove down. Right before half, got close to scoring, but threw an interception. So another turnover stopped him. Mm-hmm. The to start the second, Glenville had a 45 yard touchdown run right away, made it 26 to six, which ended up being the final score. And that was pretty much it for the game. Wyoming could not move the ball well enough to challenge that at all. It didn't help that Wyoming star running back CJ Hester went out of the game injured in the third quarter. Again, yeah. This it is another not one. I like to be the follow. most interesting game of the weekend.
2: Yeah, I didn't follow this one closely either, so I don't have a whole lot a whole lot on it.
1: I do have a fun fact on it, though. All right. I was scrolling through the internet, and it has learned that I care about high school football now. Apparently, the Glenville win is the first ever state championship victory for a Cleveland public school. So
0: that, that was. Is- news that is correct and if you think about it the well, last coach here he's a big football man how many cleveland public schools can you think of <laughs> i don't
2: know that's uh there's a
0: few i know that <laughs> <laughs> there's a few of them but all you ever hear of is cleveland yeah. saint ignatius <laughs> and, and <laughs> cleveland yeah. saint edwards right yeah. yeah so most of the players tend to congregate at the private schools in cleveland yeah I don't think there's really been other Cleveland public schools even come close, to be honest. No, I don't think so either. There's a school called Cleveland Heights that's been fairly good the last few years. Yeah. But no, this is a... And for all you Ohio State fans out here, coach Ted Ginn Sr., father of the former Ohio State running back Ted Ginn Jr., who I forget, played in the NFL for about 10 years afterwards. Probably scored about 20, 30 touchdowns for Ohio State when he was there. So maybe he had the Ohio State backing there for Cleveland Glenville. Cuz their opponent was from Cincinnati after all, right? But again, help is on the way for Wyoming, right, Rebecca?
1: <laughs> I don't see I don't see my nephew your grandson being a huge football star, but he could surprise us.
0: The genetics in the family tend to argue against it.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> no.
1: He's got a half-decent shot at the track team.
0: Mm, you think so? Well, <laughs> Alex and
1: Bryce walk and run a lot.
0: No, well, maybe there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling banned in stats myself.
1: Oh, uh, definitely banned. That's <laughs> happening.
0: <laughs> so, Coach, did you have any overall impressions of championship weekend here?
2: You know, uh, the, the Marion Local-Kirtland game stood out to me as probably the most you know, competitive and exciting. A um, few of them are lopsided for sure. But I think that's the one that a lot of people had pinpointed just with the you know amount of pedigree that both programs had. I think that one had a lot of appeal to it for sure.
0: And just based on my personal experience here, I was wondering after a 14-game season of your own, do you kind of get a little burnt out where maybe the inclination to watch those games gets a little less as you uh, in a year like this?
2: Um. Yeah. It's. I would say not really. It's. Uh, you probably pick up watching more. You know. Um. I would say during the season you're not as much of a football fan because you're busy doing. You know, preparing for your own stuff. So you start to pick up. You know. Typically, I the last couple of years I've had some connections with guys that I know that you know were coaching and and may went on further than us. So that was always kind of fun to watch. I. Had a good friend who was um, coaching at Valley View, so you know a few of those games definitely. You know you um, you, know, you want to watch just to see how they're doing. So I would say it's it's kind of the opposite. You get a little more free time and it it picks up a little bit. But yeah, definitely you know, some interesting games for sure.
0: So now that the season's done, I know for myself, I've also noticed lots of more free time. I could yeah. use that to start doing all the things I haven't done the last 16 weeks or so. <laughs> Although I've I've started. Just doing a little bit of stuff, preparing for next year. I've started working on next year a little bit already. I imagine that's the same for you. The job never really ends, huh?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, when you um, when you get far in the playoffs, it's you know you turn around. It's like oh, it's Thanksgiving, and then pretty quick, you're you know a few weeks of school, and you're on Christmas break, and it's like oh, the, the year's halfway over. So, um, and you kind of feel, I guess, uh, almost a little behind in terms of you know getting stuff started for the following year. You know, we, uh, we haven't even had our banquet yet. Banquet's um, Wednesday. So there's always, always things to be done and you know things to be doing to get ready for next year. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really stop.
0: That reminds me, Rebecca, I still haven't checked to see if anyone remembered to invite me to a banquet this year at Minster. I get, I get, I'm going to have to check on that this week. guilt Wednesday. them
1: into it through the podcast?
0: I go whether I'm invited or not, because I <laughs> just, you i don't know, know always when eat. it is i don't always eat but i need to come <laughs> in and deliver some stats to the seniors
1: <laughs> i go whether i'm invited or not
0: oh yeah but sometimes i don't even hear when it is so
2: i would say you know as a head coach i would say if you've done stats and you've done them well you just show up and you eat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure because <laughs> that's uh it's a little painstaking sometimes
0: but- I don't know about yourself, but it's not the around here. It's not the coaches that arrange the banquet. They just show up also, right? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, being a head coach, you got to talk a lot, you know, Um, yeah. I'm not not a huge talker. So it's, uh, yeah, it's always interesting thing, but what's your favorite football banquet food? Mm, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a beef and noodles guy,
0: so that's kind of a go-to. You know? Yeah, kind of like the wedding, the wedding food type thing. The yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
1: was fully just expecting it to be the traditional wedding food catering. I'd be surprised if it were anything else.
0: You know what you could do with the beef and noodles? Like at the Oktoberfest this year, they had that thing where they had the mashed potatoes on the bottom and the beef and noodles on top. Oh, carb load heaven! I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we appreciate you coming on the show to help uh, help us talk about these games. Oh, Rebecca. Ah, what? I almost forgot. Here are the results from our predictions for championship we week.
1: don't We don't need to talk about it.
0: We'll start with our baseline. The Harbin computer points correctly predicted two of the seven winners, two and five. That's your baseline, Rebecca.
1: Okay, I think I did better than that.
0: Oh, much better. You did four and three. Okay. And you remember, right? You took those two teams just to be different.
1: True. Yes. Have been
0: six and one. Ooh. If there had been money on the line, you'd have been six and one, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Almost definitely. I'm hoping you're smarter than that.
1: I never would have gone against the computers at this point.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. Because Cal Preps and Drew Pasteur's Fantastic 50 both agreed on all seven games. They went six and one. The old Toledo Central Catholic upset got him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think that game kind of sits as an outlier with uh, you know with what transpired. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. Archbishop Hoban's been like the team in Ohio for a couple of years, and seeing them upset was somewhat unexpected. That's for sure. I also went six and one. Toledo Central Catholic, dang it! Mm. <laughs> and our guest Paul Wingelwich went six and one. He got Toledo Central Catholic right unfortunately he gambled on another game also and which one was it <laughs> oh he had Ironton. so one loss for paul wingowitz six and one good guess then huh? all right pick six and one yeah what we'll to keep him in mind for the future <laughs> again thanks for being on coach
2: yeah thank you i appreciate you for having me
0: we always like having some good football coaches on. They seem to always want to talk. You want to ask someone, hey, you want to talk some football? The coaches always say, sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, it,
0: uh, yeah, Yeah, definitely. This is our last podcast of this calendar year. I can't think of a reason we do another one. Can you, Rebecca?
1: In the next month? No, I, I don't think so. Unless there's some urgent football drama that needs coverage.
0: I can't imagine.
1: Oh, yeah, I doubt it. <laughs>
0: Uh, we will be back a couple of times in the off season, probably whenever some news comes out. I know they don't change enrollment here this next year, but the competitive balance numbers do. A couple of teams will move. When that happens, we'll make sure we get on and let you all know. And then we'll have a, I think we had two or three preview shows this year, Rebecca, if I remember right. So a we couple. Will, we will do the same again next year. At least that is the current plan. So thank you all for listening. Stick with us. Next season, there'll be even more Bruce Monin's computer voice.